All right. Well, good morning. Does anyone get images of Macaulay Culkin in your head when you hear that song going there? <laughs> hey, uh, we are uh, beginning a brand new series called Christmas Playlist. And uh, every year, we here at Seacoast like to take the month of December and the season of Advent. And Advent essentially just means coming or the coming. And so we want to take this to remember uh, the reason why Jesus came. And it's a familiar story for many of us, but we want to look at this story and always with fresh eyes to say, this is a significant, this is a life-changing thing that's changed the course of the world. And so we want to take something very familiar and have it draw us into worship. And so this year, as you saw, our theme for Advent, we're calling it Christmas Playlist. So I want you just to look at the person next to you, and if you were to make a Christmas playlist, what is the one Christmas song you need to make sure is on your Christmas playlist? Just tell the person next to you, don't get up or anything, just look, what is that one song has to be on there? Okay. So fast. All right. I love that. I just asked you to do one song, so you did the one song, and you're waiting for us to move on. Everyone else is talking about the game this afternoon. Thank you. (laughs) Good. So we're we're talking about playlists, and playlists, you know, nowadays, playlists is you you look at your Spotify or something, maybe you make your playlist, it's on your device, so you can have it in your car when you're working out with all that. But back in the good old days, if you were to make a playlist, playlists were actually called mixed tapes. Anyone tracking with me? You got that? Anyone? If you were born from 1990 on, we'll explain later. But so... uh, Mixtapes are, are back when you would want to make a playlist of all the songs you like, and the way you really had to do it is you would, the, originally what you'd have is you have your tape ready to go, and you'd be listening to the radio, and remember that? And you hear the song you want, and you have to hit play and record at the same time, both buttons, and if you mess that up, you mess it up, and so you had to go at the same time, and you'd wait, like, DJ, would you just shut up? Uh, the song's starting. Quit talking. We know what song it is. You're ready to play, so you would do that. I know, very archaic. I know, it doesn't make sense to that section over there, and, and that's how, so you, and then if you got a little better technology, you'd have two tape decks. Remember that? That's when you, like, moved to the big time, and, and you could record just the songs you like onto your mixtape and create a playlist. And, and the playlist you create is sometimes it would just be, and then you got into CDs and all kinds of stuff, and that's just, you know, cheating. So it's, but mixtapes, and, and you'd make playlists, sometimes it's just, hey, these are all the most popular songs. Maybe it was, this is, you know, my, my pregame playlist to get me pumped up or to, you know, go on a run or something. Uh, not for me, but um, other people. Um, or maybe it was someone would make a breakup playlist. You know, I need, I need the songs that will help me through this season and, and, and listen to those. Or, or maybe you make a playlist, a mixtape for someone else, a, a girl. You're going to give her, say like, hey, you're going to love all these power ballads <laughs> from these 80 bands. You are going to love these. I made this for you. In, in fact, I, um, I still have a tape player in my truck. And um, a few years ago at my parents' house, I found some old playlists my brother and I had made, but I found one of his old mixtapes, and I grabbed it. I'm like, this might be funny. But I was listening to it last week, prepping for this, and it had, there was Def Leppard was on there. Yeah. There was some Van Halen and, and some DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince. Come on. Come on. 
If you didn't live in that era, you don't even get it. You don't, you just don't know how good it is. So, <laughs> so a playlist is, is, whatever it might be, is often playlists were to communicate something. So when we think of this season, we think of what, why we want to do plis, Christmas playlists, because we thought about what are the playlists, one, that we play in our heads, what is the theme of the playlist that sometimes we remind ourselves over and over again? But then if God were to make a playlist for us with a theme, what would those themes be? What would he want us to hear? What would he want us to remember? And Christmas season is this just giant playlist of God to us. Saying, here, I want to communicate something about who I am to you. So that's what we're going to do. And each week what we're going to do is take a familiar song Uh, that maybe we sing and you know from Christmas and use that song and kind of launch off of there into some of the theology of it and what that teaches us. So that's kind of where we're going. Um, And so before we get started, let's pray. God, we thank you for this morning. And I thank you uh, just for the season of Christmas. Uh, I thank you that uh, we can celebrate you and everywhere we go, we're reminded of your truth. So we pray now that this morning uh, we would hear the playlist you have for us. And you would erase the ones that sometimes repeat in our minds and fill us with a new and better playlist. So we thank you and give you this time. In your name, amen. One thing I love about this time of year is you can be in stores and everywhere you go, you're kind of reminded of this truth. And even last night we were in a store and we heard uh, a song. Sarah looked at me and said, do you hear this? And it said, you know, Jesus, the savior of the world. You know, you're in a store that won't say Merry Christmas to you. And playing over the intercom, they are hearing these playlists. And so this week, what I think is our world needs this message of Christmas. They need the real message. And that's why I think we embrace it so much. And forget about how commercialized it is. There's still this hints of truth. And there's this, God's redeeming these things to bring hope to the world. And so this year, or this week, we're looking at the playlist, the theme of hope. And the message of hope that comes because of Christmas. Now, hope is, according to the dictionary, a belief in a positive outcome related to uh, the circumstances and events in one's life. So hope is a belief in a positive outcome, that something positive is going to come of this situation, or something positive is going to come from this circumstances. Even when things seem like maybe there isn't anywhere to go, that's when we hope that it will get better. So the root of hope is this, and in this, would you agree, hope is the one thing that our world could use right now, of this belief that, hey, this isn't as good as it gets, that things are going to get better. And so that's the theme, and that's the world in which Jesus came to. And hope often, uh, we experience it or we long for it more in the darkest times, is when you really experience hope more. And sometimes holidays can bring that out, those emotions out of people. Holidays aren't always sometimes for many of you, some of you, it's your first holiday season without a loved one. Maybe it's a reminder of your past and you look back on your, you, you, you watch Christmas movies and stuff and you think of your family and say, our Christmases were nothing like that. And, and so sometimes there's pain in the holidays that it brings that up. And, and so the idea of hope is even something you're longing for more and more. And so that's why we want to look at how does Jesus answer and bring hope. Um, now, we want to start off with some Christmas songs, though, because I was thinking about all these Christmas songs and how if you look at the theme, there's a lot even that aren't Christian that are kind of showing the need for hope in Christmas season. So I have a few for you that are familiar. So sing along if you want. But uh, just kind of, this shows that some artists are longing for 
hope in the Christmas season. So give us the first one. Here we go. <laughs> yeah. Wait, this part. Right? Yeah. <laughs> okay, so I love that about you. Man, come on. Um, look that uh, song. No, uh, look that song up on uh, YouTube and see the video of him singing it in concert. You'll see why we didn't show the video clip for here. It, it was young Elvis, little sweaty mess, and didn't want to cause anyone to stumble this morning. So, um, <laughs> singing "Blue Christmas Without You." Uh, here's the next one. I like the Cindy Lou Who version better, but where are you, Christmas? I can't find you. Why have you gone away? And, and, and the, here we're going to come to the ultimate where there's broken hearts, you know, looking for hope in Christmas. This is for all of you. <laughs> come on, anyone? <laughs> you know? <laughs> Yeah, there you go. <laughs> oh. So I think we had more uh, Wham! fans in the first service, but uh, later on in the day when you're decorating your home and this song is in your head, you can thank me. You are welcome for that one. <laughs> so yeah, you, you think of some of the songs that are out there in the playlist, and there's often you have this theme of like, gosh, you know, there's brokenness, and, and we're longing for healing, we're longing for hope. And it's not really all that different in the very first Christmas when Jesus came. I often ask and wonder, why did he come when he came? What are the themes? What were the playlists and the themes that people were thinking of? And I want to give you uh, three ideas, and we're going to come back to these and see how Jesus answered them. But it, these three ideas are also to understand the context and the world in which Jesus came. So the first is this, is uh, they were in a playlist of in exile or in, not in the place that God wanted them to be. So when Jesus entered in, and we believe it's around 4 BC when he came, uh, not zero, but when he came around 4 BC, there was a time of Israel was no longer in necessarily in exile, but they were under foreign occupiers. See, the nation of Israel was originally called the chosen people of God. Now, why were they chosen people of God? Is it because they're better than everyone else? No. It's because God specifically chose this family and this nation to represent the character and ways of the creator God to the rest of the universe, to the rest of creation. So they were specifically called out to be his people, to represent his name to the ends of the earth. And through this group of people, the Messiah would be born to bring ultimate healing and hope. And so you have the nation of Israel, they're called. So God gives them a law. Why did God give them the law? It wasn't to control them. It was so that they, it would point them back to the character and the ways of God. So they understood their need for the Savior. They understood the ways of the Lord. So that's the intention and the idea of the law. Now, 
the people of Israel kept giving their hearts and serving and worshiping other gods. They uh, wandered away and the prophets started to speak and say, hey, if we are not the people that God has called us to, we're going to find ourselves uh, being in exile, being conquered by foreign uh, governments and taken away unless we turn our hearts back to the Lord. That was the prophets were proclaiming that time and time again. Until finally in year 586 BC, they were conquered by the Babylonians and they were taken off into exile. And it's really cool if you go to Israel today, they found even in the last 10 years evidence of this burn layer in the old city of Jerusalem where there's Babylonian spears found in the rubble and there's um, these uh, inscriptions or these seals mentioned by people um, in the book of Jeremiah, in Isaiah, in the same level. Attached to prophecies where he said, if you don't repent and turn of your ways, you are going to be taken into exile. They have found evidence of these people on the same burn layer as a Babylonian spheres, so kind of showing evidence of the exile. Now that was because they were no longer where God wanted them to be. Now, it happened after that as the Persians conquered the Babylonians and allowed some of the Jews to return and to rebuild. But then the Persians were conquered by the Greeks. You don't have to, this is not on your test. Just kind of sit there for a moment. And then the Greeks uh, were conquered by the Romans. Now, when the Greeks came in, though, they had one universal language brought to the whole world. But they also brought their gods and their way of life. And now the people who were able to return to Israel were now living again under foreign occupation. But they had foreign gods. They had foreign ways of life that were pointing them away from creator God. The Romans conquered the Greeks, and when the Romans, they brought, not just they had this universal language of Greek, but then they brought this universal, these roads and, and systems that kind of united the whole world. But they also brought the emperor worship, the worship of Caesar. They brought in their own deities, and everywhere the Jews would look in Israel, they would be reminded that we are not in the place that God wants us to be. So one of the first playlists that was going on when Jesus entered in was they were in exile. We are not where God wants us. The second thing that was happening is that they were in frustration, not able to live the life that they wanted to live. Even in the priesthood, uh, at the time when Jesus was born, the priesthood was vastly divided. There was a group called the Sadducees and the Pharisees. The Sadducees were very political. In fact, some would say they weren't even religious at all. They just wanted to uh, protect uh, their power and they were uh, definitely loyal to Rome and they were veering away from a life of following God. So now that they're uh, still under foreign occupation, they they wouldn't even kind of lead people's hearts back to them. The Pharisees, on the other hand, were very devout, very zealous, but so much so that they were legalistic. And they made it so difficult to follow the laws to, to be pointed back to the character of God that it became all about legalism. And if you were on the outside, you were outside. There was no, if you weren't able to follow these laws, you were outside the family. So they were frustrated and not able to live the life that God wanted them to live. And the third thing, so they were in exile, they're in frustration. The other one was they were living in darkness. In a situation where they said, this is hopeless. And they were not finding their hope in their circumstances. They were saying, who's next? We've been under occupation or exile now for 600 years. Is there any hope for us? It doesn't seem like things are going to get better. And so that is the world in which Jesus was born. The world when they were 
just longing for something has to change. And we found that there were some who were longing for Jesus. They were reading the prophecies of the Messiah and saying, there is hope coming. So I want to point you to one of those characters. It's in the book of Luke chapter 2. I want to invite you to open there or tap your way there in Luke chapter 2. And we're going to pick it up in verse 25. Now in Luke chapter 2, verse 25, Jesus is already born. So we're skipping ahead in the story because I want to point you to this guy named Simeon so we can understand what was the heart of the people who were hearing these playlists of we're in exile. We're frustrated over our lives. We're in darkness. We can't live the life that we want. But how were the devout people thinking of this, longing for the Messiah? And we meet him in Luke chapter 2, verse 25. It says this, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, looking for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit to the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to carry out for him the custom of the law, he took Jesus into his arms, blessed God, and said, Now, Lord, you are releasing your bondservant to depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation. And this is actually a play on words. Uh, the word Jesus in Hebrew, Yeshua, is uh, root, the root of that is he saves or savior. And so Simeon is essentially saying, my eyes have seen Jesus. My eyes have seen salvation. My eyes have seen your answer to the world's problems in, here in my arms. And verse 31, and this is the answer which you have prepared in the presence of all people a light of revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. And his father and mother were amazed at the things which were being said about him. And that word amazed, I always love to point it out because it actually uh, takes the, the meaning of uh, the word picture of being knocked off their feet. So when they see Jesus and hear about who he is and see that this, he could be the fulfillment of all these prophecies and everything we're longing for. It knocked them off their feet. They were amazed at this truth. So what we want to look at here today then is how did Jesus' coming answer and change their playlist? How did he bring hope in exile, in frustration, and in darkness? And how does he do that for you and for me today? In, when we're in the place where God doesn't want us to be. When we can't live the life that God wants us to live, or when the circumstances seem so dark, how does Jesus answer that and step into that? So we want to look at that and to kind of provide some structure for today, I also want to, we're going to do it through the song, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. We sang it earlier today. And we're going to look at a few of those verses to kind of show how they're fulfillment of prophecy. Now, why this song? This song, we actually think, uh, well, we know that it's at least 200 years old, so it's already one of the older Christmas songs in its current form, but it has roots in the 8th century. And so for that many years now, we have 1,300 years or so where people have been reciting or singing or saying these words to this song. Now, the way this song is structured, and it's part of an old Latin thing called the O Antiphons, and it's all these titles, each chapter is, or verse what's it called, stanza, is a, a, a title of the Messiah connected to a prophecy about the Messiah. So that's how the song is structured since the 8th century. And so I thought that's a great way to tie in what was the hope people were longing for, how did Jesus answer it? So the first one is in exile. 
to bring us back to the place where God wants us most. How does Jesus answer that? How did the first Christmas answer that? And the song, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, probably the most uh, familiar verse is this, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel, who mourns in lonely exile here till the Son of God appear. So until the Son of God comes and appears, we're, we're longing to be ransomed, to be set free, to have hope. Think of the times when you're, you are in a place when you know you should not be in. A place in which you shouldn't have been in. I, I remember once I used to take uh, high school students uh, on mission trips. And for a while we were going to Bosnia. And um, it was a little bit after the wars there. So we'd fly into Austria and then drive down to Bosnia. And I remember uh, the very first time I was in Austria rented a car, and uh, we were on the outskirts of Vienna, and I was just kind of like, hey, let's explore a little bit, and I kind of went down uh, a street, and, and just in this town, and this is back before GPS, so you kind of had to just get a gist of where you're going, um, and, and go for it. You remember those good old days again? You know, all these things that we used to get to, I popped in my mixtape, and we were going, and, and, um, I went down this neighborhood, I turned down a street, and a little ways down I realized that all the cars on the street were parked facing me, <laughs> which usually means that I'm going the wrong way on a one-way street, but the sign wasn't very clear in English, so I didn't know. So I was heading down the wrong way on this narrow European street, all the cars were parked my way, I'm heading down the street, and, and, and once you get a little ways, when you're on a one-way street, there's nowhere to turn around, you got to just send it right? You have to just, you have to just go for it and say whatever. So I just kept going. And then a few cars came. We maneuvered around. Finally, someone rolls down his window and he starts yelling at me. Um, I think he was just saying hello. It was in German. I didn't, I didn't quite get all of it. And I don't know sign language. So, um, but, but the one German word I did know, I I just kind of yelled back at him and it was danke, which means thank you. And, and I don't know if that fit, but we kind of yelled and kept moving on until I found my way out of there, but it's one of those, do you want to get away moments that we have in life from time to time. So sometimes we're in a place where we don't really want to be. Maybe uh, growing up, you can remember as a kid, if you were ever in a place that maybe your parents didn't want you to be, and maybe they still don't know to this day, and so you won't say it. Um, and my parents are here today, so I'm not going to say any of those stories, but, and this was also before um, parents would install secret find my phone apps on your kids' phones. So um, no one could, <laughs> so no one could find where you are. But yeah, maybe you've been in a place where you knew you didn't want to be. Spiritually speaking, Israel knew they were in a place that they didn't want to be. But God was speaking hope to them through the prophecies. In Isaiah 49, I have it on screen for you, says this. Is it too small a thing for you to be my servant to restore the tribes of Jacob and to bring back those of Israel I've kept? And I will also make you a light for the Gentiles that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. So shout for joy, you heavens. Rejoice, you earth. Burst into song, you mountains. For the Lord comforts his people and will have compassion on his afflicted ones. Isaiah 49 is a reminder, a prophecy that the Messiah will come at a time when they were in exile, when the people were not where God wanted them to be. As we think of the Christmas story for us to this day, some of you are not where God wants you to be. You're not experiencing the life that God has for you. And instead of using that as a reason to run further, 
remember that it's an invitation from God to say, come back. That the very message of Christmas is, is when you are not where he wants you to be, Christmas is God came down to provide a way to him. And that's what we're reminded of and one of the things we celebrate. So in exile, God comes to provide a way back. Second thing is this, in our frustration, to provide the life that we can't have on our own. To provide the life that we can't have on our own. Again, in Israel, in the, before Christ, there was this, they, they were saying, we're, so, we're just unable to be holy enough. We're unable to be righteous enough. We can't live this life you're calling us to, God. In the song, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, one of the uh, stanzas is this. O come, thou rod of Jesse, free thine own from Satan's tyranny. From the depths of hell thy people save and give them victory over the grave. So in the time, in the rod of Jesse is uh, someone in the, the line of Jesse. So Jesse and David, the Messiah was born into the family of David. And so the idea was through this line of of Jesse, send your Messiah and save us from our sins. We can't do it. We've been trying to do it by following the law. We've been trying to do it by being good enough, by, by doing enough good things and, and avoiding enough bad things, and that's just not working. So in our frustration, the Messiah comes to prov- provide a life that you can't provide on your own. Look at Jeremiah chapter 23, verse 5. It's in here on the screen. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord. When I will raise up for David a righteous branch, and he will reign as king and act wisely, and he'll do justice and righteousness in the land. In his days, Judah will be saved, and Israel will dwell securely, and this is his name by which he will be called, get the name, the Lord our righteousness. That's an interesting name. The Lord our righteousness will be this name, what we'll refer to him as. What does that mean? In scripture, when we see that word righteousness, that's a big Christianese kind of word. Essentially what it means is to be right with God. So anytime you think of that word righteousness, it's to be right with God. And so here he's saying this Messiah's name is our Lord, and this is the, the, the word for the creator God, is our righteousness, is what makes us right with him, is his very life. When the Messiah comes, he is the one who will make you right with God. Not you, not your actions, not your works. He will make you right with God. Paul writes it this way in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. He says, he made him who knew no sin, speaking of Jesus, to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So because Jesus came, we now might be right with God because of the life of Christ, not because of our own. So in frustration, when you can't live the life God wants you to live, we can rest on that Jesus already did. And we want to, we, the Christmas season should tell us that because Jesus came, we can be right with God, not because you can be good enough, not because you do enough right things. It's because Jesus came and provides that rightness with God. So there's hope even there for us. The third thing is this. So we have in exile, he provides hope in our frustration when we can't live the life we, he wants us to live. And then in darkness, to bring hope to a world in despair. Jesus enters in to bring hope to a world in despair. Again, the song, O Come, We Come, Emmanuel, says this. 
O come thou day spring, which the day spring is the one word we changed from the 8th century to make it a little, it has to rhyme, it has a little more imagery now. But it's, O come thou day spring, come and cheer our spirits by thine advent here. Disperse the gloomy clouds of night and death's dark shadows put to flight. So the song is reminding us that come and beat the morning star of Jesus, the light of the world that we sing about. Come in a time when things seem dark. If we look around in the world, I think one thing we could all agree on, as I mentioned earlier, is that we can all agree on that maybe things aren't the way they should be. That things are broken. And whether you believe in God or not, inside the church or outside the church, many people would agree that something's just not quite right. And, and one of the things that I hear from a lot of people is what the world needs inside and outside the church is hope. Hope for something better. Hope that things are not going to be like this forever. And as followers of Jesus, we have a hope that is, one, it's eternal, that we know this world is not all there is, that things, there is healing, ultimate healing, when all things are made right. But I believe we also have hope for today, every day. Hope that our life is not based on this, everything that happens on all the circumstances. Hope is wired into who we are. In Isaiah chapter 60, verse 1, it says this. Have it on the screen. I ri- arise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness will cover the earth, and deep darkness the people. But the Lord will rise upon you, and his glory will appear upon you. Nations will come to your light, and all the kings to the brightness of your rising. That's a prophecy that that original song was written based off of. So, in the times of great darkness, we have great light, a hope that comes from Jesus. And I do think hope is wired into, as a teaching team, we we're talking about this. It's this sense that we all have that things are not as they should be. But attached to that is, as people, we're also afraid to put our hope in things, or to get our hopes up, I should say. Any of you sports fans who are afraid to get your hopes up with your favorite teams? Yeah, I mean, some of you, you, you have your team, and even when you know it's like the best team, nobody can beat this team, you still kind of go into it thinking, uh, I don't know. I, I don't think, and if you watch, you know, I'm a Boston Red Sox fan. Uh, because I'm a pastor, I'm a Christian, I'm following the Lord, so I'm called to that. And um, as I cheer for the Red Sox, my wife will tell you that it's, she doesn't always like to sit there because they can be winning by 105 points, uh, five, 105 runs in the ninth inning in the World Series. I'm like, we're probably going to lose. We always lose. Because <laughs> you don't want to get your hopes up just in case somebody lets you down. And again, now that we live here and we're San Diego sports fans, say no more. So, um, <laughs> but in us, sometimes we're afraid to hope because what if it doesn't work? What if somebody lets us down again? But wired into us is this desire to hope, a desire to see things come out better. Jesus comes to provide answers. He provides us a life. We look and say, you know what? When circumstances come at me, I know that this isn't all there is. I can face each day. In the darkest darkness, God brings us hope in this light. One thing I love about the season in, in that prophecy, he said, all the nations will come to your light and the brightness of your rising. You know, one of the things when I get to take groups of you to Israel one of the things that I, we're always struck by and that I love is you hear all these different languages being spoken. 
You meet people from all over the world at these same sites trying to, wanting to walk where Jesus walked. And I'm reminded every time that all the nations are drawn to his light. You know, at the time when Jesus came, the Roman Empire was a pretty big deal. They were, Caesar was on his throne and they were dominating. Caesar's not dominating so much anymore. But all the nations are still drawn to Jesus. So in the darkest time in the history of Israel, Jesus entered in and is still providing hope for billions of people to this day. In Romans chapter 5, Paul is writing and speaking of hope. He says this in verse 5, Hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who is given to us. For while we were still helpless, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. But one will hardly die for a righteous man, though perhaps a good man, someone might dare even to die. But God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. At the right time, the Messiah came. You know, I started off at the beginning and said why was one of the reasons Israel was feeling desperate and hopeless and longing for a Messiah was, you know, the Greeks conquered them. Well, what did the Greeks do? They brought this universal language. Then the Romans conquered them. What did the Romans do? They brought commerce. They were part of the technology boom of the first century. Jesus entered in at the very right time in history because when he was born, he came in a way in, in which the message of Jesus could spread more rapidly than any time in history. People shared a language and they had, they could, ideas could spread because of roads. Seems simple, but it was at the right time he came in. At the right time, people could hear. He came in a manger in a right way so that people could feel like they were welcomed in. If he was born in the palace, if he was part of the ruling class, you know what people say like, oh, this is just another one of you wealthy children who are coming to provide something else for us that everyone else promises. But he came humbly, the common man, born in Bethlehem, in a way that you and I could look at him and say, I can relate to this person. I feel welcomed in by this person. Here's someone who's giving hope. This is someone I can listen to and I can follow. So the Christmas playlist, when we look at it, and as we launch this, is in a world that needs hope. Jesus, time and time again, in the first Christmas and to this day, is saying, change the playlist and see that there's hope. Hope when you're not in the place God wants you. Hope when you can't live the life he's calling you to live. He will do it for you. And hope in your darkest times. There's hope because of Christmas. I want to invite the worship team to make their way back up. And as they make their way back up, I want to just go back to the response of Mary and Joseph when Simeon proclaimed that this baby I hold in my hands is a fulfillment of everything that we've been longing for. That this baby that we're looking at, this, my eyes staring at the salvation, is all these prophecies have been pointing to him. And so he says, this is the one we've been waiting for. And they were knocked off their feet. This Christmas season, I just want to challenge us. 
For many of us, we've heard this message many, many times. Some of you, 80, 90, some we know, a part of Sika, someone 96 years probably hearing this message. Maybe for some of you, it's your first time. When's the last time you were knocked off your feet to remember that the creator of the universe decided to enter into this mess to give us hope? He decided to be born and to experience childhood. He was willing to be a junior higher. <laughs> he knew what that was going to be like. But because of his great love, he said, I will go through that. One, one time Matt was saying something to me, how much it had been when God looked at the world and it got so messed up that he said, all right, I'm going down there myself. And he was willing to do that. That should knock us off our feet, that message, that truth. So I want to invite you to stand with me as we sing one final song. Let me pray with me. God, we thank you for this time. I thank you for the reminder of hope that, Lord, when we're in a place where we can't flourish, we're in a place where it's not where you have designed us for. Or, Lord, in times when we are unable to live the life that you've made for us, and God, in those times when we look at our circumstances and they seem so dark that we need your light, God, I thank you that you enter into each of those and you provide hope. That your playlist is one that changes the narrative. And so, God, would you remind us of that? And as we hear of your truth and sing of your truth, continue to change us and give us the hope that we need today. In your name, amen. Amen.